up, guys? Reborn Podcast. My name is Ashley Horner. I'm here with my co-host, Miss Elena Del Rey. Um, today, we have a very awesome guest on. If you have not heard of this podcast, I'm assuming if you're listening to the podcast, maybe you're end up, yeah, then you know Rich Roll. I, I actually used to listen to him. I'm not a big, um, I don't really listen to music when I run. Because I really like to just like think about things, but sometimes I'll turn on a podcast and I'll listen to a podcast. And he's one of the podcasts that um, I would listen to. It, it's actually been a while since I've listened to his podcast, but I've never like he is such an awesome human being, and I'm really looking forward to. Yes, I'm looking forward to get getting to know him today and like hearing more about his story. Yeah, today. So he he's an author. Mm-hmm. He's a marath ultra. Like, like ultra, ultra. This man, so, like, brief overview of his story. He was, had addiction problems. He was overweight. And he did, like, a whole 360. This man became a vegan. He started running. And two years into his fitness journey, he did an ultra marathon, which lasts three days. He, like, ran, like, two marathons in one day. So it was 52 miles, I think. He swam and he cycled. I wonder if he did anything leading up to his ultras or if he just went straight from like, he he trained. I guess he trained for a couple years going up to his ultra. But yeah, just like the mental fortitude this human has. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I'm I'm really excited to... uh, He's been podcasting for a while too. He has. Yeah. Definitely. If you haven't looked up Ritual or or downloaded his, yeah, his podcast, um, do that. Very inspiring. Um, I I say let's just jump right into it and right. let's welcome yeah. Mr. Roll. All right, we want to welcome on Rich Roll today. You guys are in for a great show and an interview with him. All right, Rich, thank you for joining me today on the Reborn Podcast. And you have such an incredible story. I just want to say that it's truly an honor to have you on here today with Lena and I. And thank you so much for carving out some time for us to kind of pick your brain, the guru that you are, and all of your accomplishments that you have had. Um, And you've recently, you're writing a new book, or you wrote a new book, Mm -hmm. because I saw you were signing lots of books. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. To thanks talk for being to you here also. again. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm on the precipice of releasing my next book. It's called Voicing Change. Um, comes in this really cool Ooh. box here. I can show it to you Exclusive. in a second. <laughs> but basically, you know, I've been on this podcast journey for uh, coming up on eight years at this point and have interviewed over 550 people. It's been an extraordinary journey for myself, as I'm sure you guys can attest. You know, it gives you this amazing, unprecedented opportunity to kind of hijack all the people that inspire you and force them to answer all your questions. And, you know, I learned a a thing or two along the way uh, from all of these people. And I I really wanted to kind of um, honor the guests uh, that have given me their time and also honor the audience that I've built by uh, putting together, you know, kind of a printed compendium of some of my favorite episodes uh, and do it in kind of a coffee table book version. So you can open it up to any page. I've profiled 50 guests that I've had over the years. We excerpted um, some of the more impactful things that they had to share and it's interlaced with essays that some of the guests contributed and, of course, 
um, my thoughts, and we have beautiful photographs of everybody. So it's a really gorgeous book that I think anybody would feel good about leaving out on their coffee table um, and, of course, makes for a That's great super gift. Exciting. And, and really it's just exciting. Congratulations. Like it, it's, thanks. You know, it's a gift for the fans, most uh, first yeah. and foremost. That's awesome. That's so, not your first book, right? No. So this is what the cover yeah, looks you, like. Yeah, um, you were New York's bestseller, yeah. if I'm right. <laughs> so my first book was called Finding Ultra, and it was a memoir, kind of my story, you know, through childhood and all my trials and tribulations, uh, my story of addiction and recovery and then kind of midlife malaise and um, changing my relationship to uh, mind, body, and soul and how I discovered ultra-endurance events and, and really kind of found myself through the experience of, of training and competing in, the, in, in these events and, and some of the things I learned along the way. And then subsequent to that, my wife and I put out um, a couple cookbooks, The Plant Power Way, The Plant Power Way Italia. Uh, and she has a vegan cheese book called This Cheese is Nuts that she put out. And she has her own <laughs> vegan cheese line. So, yeah, a number of books over the years. But it's been a while since I've put a book out. So I'm really excited about this one, which is self we're self-publishing this one. So it's a different cool. kind of experience to create it yourself and own and control it. So and where well, can people find this book? Sorry, Lena. No, no, you're good. I was just asking the same yeah. question. When is this book going to be released? Um, we're taking pre-orders now and we're shipping globally and we're going to start shipping on November 10th. So November 10th is the official pub date. Um, but we've already, you know, got tons of orders and we're going to be mailing out lots of them very soon. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about your journey, like leading up to, um, you know, whenever you started realizing that your life and the transformation, like you had to make a change. And, mm -hmm. um, I think it takes for, it's, it's different for individuals. Like whenever they realize that they need to transform their own life, either they go through something physically like health related, they, there's something in their life that they have to change, but there's always a reason why someone takes that first step and you ha took an incredible step and, uh, not only changed your life and, and the path that you were on, but you have some seriously badass accomplishments mm. that you have made. Uh, can you tell us like a little bit about that and like what you did and why, like your purpose? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I was an athlete as a young person. I was a swimmer. Um, I competed at, at Stanford University in the late 1980s. At the time, that was the number one collegiate swimming program in the country. Although I was very much a bench warmer, I was never a star. I'm not the most talented athlete. I can't hit a ball or shoot a basket to save my life, but I'm pretty good at suffering. And swimming is a pretty good <laughs> avenue for exploring <laughs> suffering. And, and I did okay in that sport, but alcoholism really derailed my potential. Um, when I got to college, it became all about partying. And that was an adventure that I went on for 15 years until it really left me um, a broken shell of a human being. And it's a long story, but there's a lot of wreckage um, that I created as a result of my, of my drinking career. At 31, I had that moment of clarity, that bottom that you hear about with recovering alcoholics, realized I, I just couldn't live this way any longer. And I alienated all my friends and family. I was on the precipice of, you know, being unemployable and had lost the trust and you know, the, 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 the friendship of most of the good people in my life. And with nowhere to turn, I found myself in a treatment center in, in rural Oregon, which I made my home for 100 days, which is kind of a long time to go to rehab, longer than most people. And that experience saved my life. And it really cemented um, 
in me the power that we all have to change, like how simple decisions, like that day that I woke up hungover and decided like no longer, really altered forever the trajectory of my life. And I really credit everything that I have now to that decision that I made. Um, but, you know, growth wow. isn't a binary static thing. Like I was able to um, get sober and maintain my sobriety and really make uh, my recovery journey my number one priority. But for the next 10 years after I got out of rehab, you know, I was so intent on repairing all the wreckage that I'd created that I was unaware how much I was transferring my addictive tendencies onto work, for example. I became a workaholic and how I was using food to medicate my emotional state. I just became like a workaholic, junk food junkie. Uh, and, you know, what's, what's, what's kind of challenging about it is that you know, I was successful because I, I really did repair all of these things and, and became kind of a, an upstanding citizen once again. Uh, but at the same time, I was blind to how I was killing myself physically. So by mm -hmm. the time I was 39, I was 50 pounds overweight. I was just a lazy couch potato working 60 to 80 hour weeks, uh, you know, crashing every night in front of the TV with a bag of cheeseburgers that I picked up on the way home. And, you know, I had a second um, kind of come to Jesus moment, a second, you know, moment of clarity when I was walking up the stairs to my bedroom and had to take a break. Like I, w I had to pause, you know, a simple flight of stairs was just too much for me. I was winded, out of breath. I had tightness in my chest, heart disease runs in my family. My grandfather, who had been a champion swimmer in the late 1920s, died of a heart attack at age 54. And wow. I had this like moment where I realized like, if I don't change how I'm living, like I'm very much headed in this guy's direction and probably it's gonna happen a lot sooner because there weren't as many McDonald's Do, you know, back I, in his day. Yeah, I have, I have a question. Do you think that, um, you know, you've, you've, you know, you're on this path of like sobriety and, and you know, no alcohol and the drugs, do you have moments where you feel like that you want to go back to that place? Because even of like maybe the stress that you feel, I know that now you do like a lot of meditation, which would be very interesting to like touch on that. But um, I think like, I guess like looking at, at, at my life and the fitness that I do and like even the endurance stuff that I do, which is nowhere like near the things that you have done that is kind of like my drug because it mm -hmm. it's like the grit and the dark, like you have to be able to get super dark and deep, deep and, and gritty whenever you go through these ultra events. But I'm just wondering, like, do you ever have times where you feel like that you just like, especially during COVID, like, did you have times or do you ever have times or experience where you've just kind of wanted to relapse back into the old rich? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it goes back to my earlier point about, nothing being static or binary. Like, you you know, people say to me, oh, you overcame your alcoholism. It's like, for today, you know, this is Every something that I have to work on. Yeah, it's like a daily practice. And if I'm not militant or diligent about using the tools that I've learned in the program of recovery, um, a relapse is inevitable. Like every single decision that I make, every encounter that I have, every thought that I entertain, 
every interaction that I have with another human being is either moving me towards a drink or away from a drink. And the more I can remember that and be present with that, it makes me more conscious and mindful of the decisions that I'm making to make sure that I stay on track. And I think to your point, um, you know, sports, suffering, physical activities, things that are hard um, are one of the tools in my toolbox, but I have made the mistake in the past of thinking, well, the solution to my alcoholism is just my training. Like that's my tool. And when I'm out, you know, really pushing it, I don't have to worry about all the other, you know, 12 steps. I can just do this thing. And after um, 13 years of sobriety, I, re I did relapse. Like I had, you know, one day where I picked up a drink and luckily I made it back to an AA meeting that night and got back on the wagon, but it was a very powerful reminder of just how um, baffling the disease of alcoholism can be. And it, it was kind of a, it right-sized my ego um, because I thought like I, not that I had it licked or that I ever questioned whether I was an alcoholic, but it just reminded me that like I am powerless over alcohol and there are these things mm -hmm. that I have to do every single day. Do you but think, the training is part of it. Do you think it. that going through these feats of all of the ultra events that you have done, and, and I would like for you to touch on that uh, after this question, but mm -hmm. do you think because, and I know like the mental fortitude it takes to go through these events and, and the ultra events of like when everything, it's, it's a big mental battle. I think more than anything, because physically it's like, whatever your body hurts. And then the next, you know, the next five minutes, maybe something else hurts. It's like this big mental battle, like within yourself. But do you think that because of the mental feats that you have accomplished, do you believe that's helped you fight the sobriety and to stay true to your path? Yeah, it's been, it's been helpful, but I don't think it's a replacement for some of the other things that I have to do that are specifically 12-step mm -hmm. oriented. And the mistake that you make is when you think like, that's your entire solution. It's, it's one aspect of the solution. And certainly endurance sports have been one of my greatest teachers. You know, when I kind of went on this journey at the outset, I was also having a bit of an existential crisis. I was a practicing attorney. I hated being a lawyer, but I didn't know what else to do or how to find my, you know, find my calling. I'd never really asked myself, like, what is it that is unique to me? Like, what would make me happy? Like, what do I want to pursue or express in my life? And all the time spent alone training for these races was really kind of this spiritual journey of trying to reconnect with my own, you know, innate humanity and weakness so that I could become a more self-actualized, integrated human being. And I think getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that are hard and pushing yourself and realizing that you have this unbelievable reservoir of potential and capacity that you've never really tapped into is a very self-affirming act. And it helps you develop the self-esteem that I think is essential in becoming that self-actualized person, which of course will in turn be a buffer against your darker nature, you know, whether mm -hmm. that's addiction or how you interact with other people. Like, you know, addiction is a spectrum. Like, you know, if you, you know, like to check out by watching too much television or playing video games or shopping or whatever it is, you become more innately aware of those triggers and the things that are moving you away from your highest self. And you know, it's a, it's, you know, the, these, these incredibly difficult ultra endurance races really, you know, when you, when you meet yourself on the trail, 
and you're depleted and exhausted, you can't lie to yourself. Like it strips away the denial and you become more objectively aware of, of who you actually are. How did you get involved in like, how did you choose to say like, oh, I'm going to start doing triathlons. I'm going to get involved in these ultrathon marathon. Like what was your, in your, what piqued you, your interest into, in doing these events? Yeah. So, so I turned 40 and, and I changed my relationship to food and suddenly I just felt better in my body. Like I had all this energy and I just pulled it. What's up? You're vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went, yeah. I went plant-based at 40. And I, I like suddenly felt really good. And I, I couldn't like stop tapping my foot. Like that's how much energy. You know, I hadn't done anything. But suddenly I was like, I got to like, I'm literally vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> I got to like go outside. My wife was like, will you please leave me alone and like go burn off some energy because you're driving me fucking crazy? <laughs> so I just went out, you know, and started jogging a little bit. I went back to the pool for the first time in a long time. My wife bought me a bike for my birthday and it was all very casual like i was just enjoying the process of reconnecting with my physical self and it was a reminder you know i loved swimming and i was was sort of reconnecting with this childlike you know joy that i hadn't experienced in a long time Um, and i had no desire or designs on becoming a competitive athlete again i was just it was really just you know a, a kind of a dad thing but um, I came across this article in a magazine, and this is way back in 2007, probably. Um, and it was an article about this race called Ultraman. Um, I mean, I always thought like Iron Man is the you yeah, know, pinnacle of, of like human endurance. And I, I, this article was about this, this triathlon that was twice the distance of Iron Man. It was a three-day double Iron Man distance race that circumnavigates the entire big island of Hawaii. And... The protagonist in this article was this guy called David Goggins that I'd never heard of, who had just ran the Badwater 135 and had done quite well and showed up a couple weeks later in Hawaii, having not been a triathlete, having, you know, not much history as an endurance athlete whatsoever. He'd been a power lifter and, you know, a big football player type guy. And he was able to not only complete this race, but I think he ended up like second. And I just found that so inspiring. I mean, everybody knows who David Goggins is now. He's become like this mainstream cult figure. But at the time, he was a legend and a hero in endurance circles, but hardly anybody that, you know, everybody knows him to be now. And that was like this spark that lit, that, that lit a fire in me. And the way that this race was described it didn't sound like a race. It sounded more like this spiritual odyssey. And as a confused person trying to figure out who I wanted to be, it just seemed like this template for um, for undertaking that exploration. And I just, something clicked in me and I was like, I got to do this race. Like I hadn't done an Ironman. I hadn't done a half Ironman. I didn't have any business even entertaining the prospect of doing something like this, but I just couldn't shake it. And I just became determined to line up at the starting line to to do that race and it's a longer story but that's kind of what happened and i think on top of that just to complete the answer um you know i had unfinished business as a swimmer like alcoholism really Mm -hmm. took me out of the game and i never really felt like i achieved my potential as an athlete and the idea of trying to recapture some of that in my 40s was was very appealing to me so this became like your spiritual goal like this was your goal that i was like this is how i'm going to reconnect with my mind body soul it's going to help my journey of sobriety and really reconnect with my true self. 100%. Yeah, it wasn't about, you know, 
athleticism or, or, or anything or beating anyone it was about or anything you. like that. It was like, it was a, it was a, it was an opportunity for self-discovery. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So how did this process go? Because the Ultraman that you competed in only 35 participants and you have to be mm-hmm. invited, correct? Right. So it's a 320 mile, uh, double Ironman triathlon and it's limited to just 30 plus people every single year that are hand selected and invited. Uh, so I just plied my lawyerly skills and called <laughs> up the race director. When I couldn't shake this, you know, inspiration that I had, I was like, I couldn't sleep. So I was like, I just need to call the woman who's the race director and she can tell me I'm insane. And then, you know, at least that door will get shut and I can move on with my life. But I had a conversation with her. I said, I'm, I'm intrigued by this race. I'd really, you know, like to be able to participate. She's like, what have you done? And I said, nothing, <laughs> you know, but if you let me in, I will do everything in my power to be ready. And she didn't give me the green light. She didn't say, yes, you're in, but she said, okay, well, why don't you call me in a couple months and let me know where you're, where you're at? And it was just like that sliver of hope that she gave me um, that was enough to uh, motivate me. And I just basically mm-hmm. assumed I was gonna find my way in. So I hired a coach and got to work and you know did everything in my power to prepare for this race and ultimately she relented and let me in god knows why you know the race has become more popular in recent years i i I don't know that you know such a maneuver would be possible these days but you know that that you know permission that she gave me literally changed my life Hmm. so two questions what has been to date the hardest physical feat that you've uh, challenged yourself to. And then I kind of want to know, like, what what is it that keeps you going whenever you're on mile freaking 50 and you have so many more miles in front of you? What mm. is it? Like, what is that tick inside of you that that just pushes you, regardless of the pain, the physical pain and that, that you know, the mentality of just you know, cause at any moment you can quit. We can all quit. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. always an exit sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, to answer the first part of the question, I, you know, the hardest thing I did was, uh, um, in 2010, a buddy of mine, Jason Lester and I did this thing that he came up with that he created called Epic five, where we did an Ironman a day on all the five Hawaiian islands, um, called it, you know, five Ironmans, five Hawaiian islands, five days. Uh, and it was this crazy adventure that we, you know, basically, you know, tried to accomplish with duct tape and a couple friends to help <laughs> us out. And it was, you know, it was insane and so difficult. Like the fourth day just broke me, you know, and the fact that we were able to get through it and, and accomplish it, you know, it was just an experience of, of a lifetime. Like I really met my maker. And I think, you know, in terms of the second part of your question, you know, how do you keep going when your back is up against the wall or you feel depleted? I've just learned over time, like we are all so much more capable than we allow ourselves to believe. And what motivates me is, is you know, finding that edge and seeing if I can push past it. And the way that you accomplish that, as unromantic as it sounds, is you have to be completely present in what you're doing. So when you're you know, on mile 50 of your whatever long run, and you think you can't take one more step, you have to break these things down into the tiniest chunks and say, I'll quit 
but only after I get to that lamppost. Like I'm just going to get to there and that's my only focus. Just, you know, 100 more yards and then I'll reassess. And then mm -hmm. you do that and you're like, wow, I did that. I thought I had to stop, but I didn't need to. Well, now I'm here. What's the next goal? You know, oh, I'll have, I make it another 100 meters. And the more you can just anchor yourself in the immediacy of what you're trying to accomplish and break it down into the tiniest, tiniest of pieces, um, that's the way I think anybody accomplishes anything. And there's mm -hmm. just such a thrill and a satisfaction that you get when you're able to push past that perceived boundary and get to the other side of it. And, you know, being a good alcoholic, I'm probably addicted to that on some level, and that's part of the engine. So out of everyone that you've had on your podcast, is, is there anyone that has really just stood out to you that, uh, that I don't know, like that you feel like has given you the best piece of wisdom or, and it's mm. probably in your book, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what has been maybe something that, you know, through your journey and accomplishing these physical feats and transforming yourself from your lifestyle that you had to becoming who you are now, what is, mm -hmm. what is something or, or someone that has had an influence in your life that has had an impact on who you are today? Hmm. Yeah, it's, that's a great question. Uh, you're, you're forcing me to choose amongst my babies, which I'm <laughs> reluctant to do because I love them all so much. Um, you know, I think one of, the, one of the cool experiences that I've had, I mean, you know, the show's grown to a certain point where suddenly now I, I'm able to, like, have conversations with people like Matthew McConaughey and Edward Norton Saw and, like, that. Russell Brand. and like jealous. It's super fun to, like talk to these, you know, icons of, of culture. Um, but I think what's most gratifying are finding people that have incredible stories that no one's ever heard of. Like these are just, you know, relatively anonymous people who have faced and overcome obstacles anonymously. And, you know, being able to put a microphone in front of a person like that and give them an opportunity to share to a very large number of people you know, what they've learned is, is, is incredibly gratifying and also incredibly powerful because those people tend to be the most genuine and relatable. Like they're not um, coming from a place of artifice. They're not trying to sell a book. They're not trying to become famous. They just have an incredible story. So one example would be um, a guy called Josh Lajani who lives in Southern Louisiana, like a true you know, Bayou guy. Like, there's no Whole Foods. And everybody in his family was extremely overweight. And he was pushing like over 400 pounds. And he just decided like he didn't want to live that way. And he had to kind of buck family tradition and, you know, reconfigure his relationship with his body and with food and with movement and all of these things. And ultimately not only dropped like 250 pounds, but became this ultra runner. He actually won uh, an ultra running race and has become an inspiration to a lot of people. He has a very kind of um, just such a beautiful, genuine, authentic voice. And, and being able to kind of amplify a guy like that is personally very gratifying. And I think another guy would be John McAvoy, who's a guy who I discovered lives in, lives in England, 
grew up in East London in a gangster family, became a bank robber when he was a teenager, oh, you know, wow. was making bank and like, you know, partying in Ibiza and like, you know, just like so cinematic, like right out of a movie and gets busted and ends up with a life sentence. He's in solitary confinement and he ends up just basically doing push-ups all day and got permission to use a rowing machine in the gym in his prison and ends up breaking world records for indoor rowing while he's in prison and ultimately gets a parole hearing and tells the parole officer he wants to be a professional triathlete. They laugh at him, but nonetheless, they grant him parole and he becomes just that. And he ends up becoming um, the only Nike-sponsored Ironman athlete. And now he's this incredible advocate for prison reform and you know, having fitness programs in prison. He, he testifies before parliament. He's become this incredibly inspirational figure. And he, to me, is like an icon of, of just utter, unbelievable transformation, how you can take the worst of circumstances and transform that into not only an opportunity for personal growth, but to become this beacon of inspiration to people all around the world. And it reminds me that no matter how far down you have fallen, no matter how dark and dire things are, that there is always hope. And that change resides within yourself. And it begins with very simple decisions and very tiny acts that are strung together over time that ultimately move mountains. And I just find that so inspirational. So when I'm having a lack of motivation or I feel like I can't get out of bed or you know, tackle this obstacle that I'm facing, I'm reminded of these you know, unbelievable individuals who faced and overcome obstacles far more severe than anything that I've encountered. Yeah, that's really inspiring. Yeah, it's incredible. So next week, weekend, in like five days, I'm doing a 40-hour run for an orphanage wow. that I've been supporting for years over in Haiti. Um, what advice would you give me for running? Um and like prepping the days leading up to that, mm -hmm. to that run. Wow. So what's your longest run to date then? Um, I did 230 miles through Haiti uh -huh. like three wow. years ago. Uh -huh. It took me three days though. This is a 40, right. 40 hours straight. straight. Right. And she doesn't want to sleep. She's not sleeping this yeah. in this race <laughs> or taking breaks. I love it. Like, she didn't want to do that. Unbelievable. That's so cool. Well, I don't know that, I mean, I th look, if you've run over 200 miles yourself, then you it's in you. You already know what to do. You don't need anybody else to tell you how to get through something like that because you have faced and overcome the kind of difficulties that you're going to encounter. And you already know that. So the answers reside within yourself. The only advice that I could give to you and also, bear in mind, this is advice from somebody who's never run 40 hours straight, so <laughs> it's, it's not coming from direct experience, only somebody who has a small taste of, of ultra-endurance. But um, my suggestion would be to, to, you know, find the joy in it. Like, how can you, you know, milk the most out of this experience and, and do it with a smile on your face? And the more you mm -hmm. can, like, live in that place of gratitude, like, how unbelievably amazing is it that I get to do this incredible thing and do it, you know, to honor the people of, of Haiti. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. And you're going to meet the razor's edge in a way that almost no human beings on the planet get to do. And that mm -hmm. also is an unbelievable gift. So constantly reminding yourself 
of this privilege that you have, I think, you know, when I'm able to do that, it gives me kind of another gear or, you know, a, a deeper reservoir of strength to push through. Mm-hmm. So if you had the option to run for 40 hours around the track, knowing that you're going to get to a point where like the mental just like firing chambers in your brain <laughs> will probably start to depreciate or would you run a path? So originally I was actually supposed to do this run in Haiti. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've ran there before I've done it. I know the terrain, but because of COVID and everything that we're in, I'm, I'm doing it here in my hometown in Virginia mm-hmm. beach and, you know, coming down with like just logistics, which I, I honestly where I could run wherever I could run on the street or I could go to a track. I'm just wondering if like, if you were doing a 40 hour run straight and my goal is I've done some ultra endurance things. Um, I rode on a concept rower for 25 hours straight with no sleep. Mm. This is obviously a mm-hmm. little bit bigger um, running yeah. uh, for 40 hours straight. And that's, that's my goal. Um, would you find yourself at a track or would you have a course like throughout, you know, like the town? What would you do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, for me, if you have the logistical support and ability to do it, doing a point to point would mm-hmm. be what I would opt for because, you know, every time you go around the track, when you get to where you started, you're going to see that cooler and that chair and, you know, your friends. And it just makes it easier to pull the plug, you know, knowing, knowing that, that that's there. And there's something about doing a point to point where it becomes harder to pull that plug and pull that ripcord because you haven't arrived at your destination yet. Yeah. So if you, you have can a get goal. the logistics, you're going yeah, you somewhere like and you're an endpoint. Yeah. You're going in one direction the whole way and you're not going to stop until you get there. Um, I think there's something about that, at least, and this is just me personally, um, that, that, um, makes it a little bit more interesting and exciting. And look, it's it, less boring, of course, because, you know, you're not going around in circles all day, which can drive you mad. But if you were on a rowing machine for 25 hours, then you're no stranger to that. And maybe no. that's, you're more wired for that. I think it's a personal thing. <laughs> so let's, let's say somebody's listening to this and they're maybe not ready for an ultra endurance event. Maybe they want to run their first half marathon, first marathon. They're new to running, but maybe they've started running during COVID. And now that races and stuff are starting to open up and they're like, oh, I'm really intimidated to do a marathon or a half marathon, but I want to do it. What, what is like some advice that you would give somebody to step out and to be brave and to do that? I think to stop intellectualizing it and stop overthinking it and just do it. You know, we tend to make these things so much more complicated than they need to be. And what happens is you then live in this place of analysis paralysis where, yeah, I want to do a half marathon, but you'll spend two weeks researching shoes or like which GPS watch to get. And these are all like, you know, mental distractions that just prevent you from doing the thing. Everybody's got a pair of shoes and everybody's got a road out in front of their house or their apartment. So, you know, the first thing to do is put one foot in front of the other. And if you've never done any running before, go out and run around the block or walk around the block. Do what you can do and then just try to build on that. And I think the more you're in action, the more you create momentum and all the questions that you have about, like, how am I going to do a half marathon or how am I going to do a tank? Those get answered in time, but they get answered in the process of 
the doing. They don't get answered by intellectualizing them, looking at a screen in your, in, you know, in, in your computer. So I think um, it's about like there's a little bit of like a letting go, like whatever need you have to, to know, you know, the answers to all these things, and just get used to or acclimated to the process of, of moving. And awesome. I think when you can do that, like I think people tend to surprise themselves with what they're capable yeah. of. So are you going to do another ultra marathon anytime soon in the future, maybe? Um, I'd love to. I haven't done an ultra in a couple of years. The last yeah. thing I did was the, the uh, swim run world championships in Sweden a couple of years ago. Um, I'd like to do more swim runs. It's, it's always, you know, it's a balancing act. I mean, if you really, like I'm so you know, again, back to my alcoholism, like when I, if I want to do these races, I have to, I have to be like all in. It's very yeah. difficult for me to kind of casually show up at the starting line for something like this, knowing that I could have prepared better. Um, and that means that you have to live this unsustainable lifestyle if you want to train that much. And as somebody who's running this podcast and putting this book out and I got four kids and trying to help all of yeah, them navigate COVID. It's like, what's, you know, what is most important? And I, I don't, you know, the questions that I needed answered for myself have been answered. And that doesn't mean that there isn't plenty of growth to come or that I still need to, you know, endure for myself. Um, but it's about picking the moment. So like every couple of years, I, you know, I try to find something hard that excites me and I'm sure I'll do that again soon. But I, I haven't, yeah. I, I don't, it's, there's nothing specific right now that I'm training for other than just being fit for life. Awesome. Hey, well, thank you so much for yes, joining us today. Mm-hmm. So where can people find you and follow you? We have Instagram, we have Facebook. Are you on Twitter? Are you on uh, TikTok? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not on, well, I'm on, I'm on TikTok, but I've never posted a TikTok. I do it yeah. mainly to stalk my daughters and make sure that they're <laughs> behaving themselves. But uh, Being a good dad, just yeah. checking up on them. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm at Rich Roll everywhere, um, at Rich Roll. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I, my website's richroll.com, and there you can find all about the new book and the podcast, the Rich Roll podcast on Apple and all the places you listen to podcasts and also on YouTube as well. Uh, That was a really great podcast. I got some good advice coming up for my run this weekend. I kind of already have it in my mind, like what I'm going to do and what I have learned with these like long ultra events or like long, the long rows that I do is that you can really overthink something, which is one of the, the takeaways that I, that I took today from rich roll. And I think it just kind of, you know, you just get it in your mind that you're going to do it and the joy that you have in the suffering and the fact that you're able to do something and, um, just how awesome that is to be in that state and to be in a place that you're able to do something and, and for the greater good. So uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend, even though this podcast will probably come out after I'm done. So hopefully I yeah. survive. <laughs> and my goal is to stay awake for 40, 40 hours, hours moving. I, I don't know if I'll be able to run like straight through, but I want to put one foot in front of the other for 40 hours straight, unless I'm like squatting in the woods. Well, we'll I'll be sending you good vibes your way. Yeah, I'm going to run by the brew window. I'm going to be mm-hmm. like, cinnamon roll, Liz. I will throw it like a frisbee <laughs> yeah, in your mouth. I'm going to catch it like a dog. <laughs> well, every, a lot of people are behind you on this, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. That means a lot. So we have a few questions. Okay. Again, it's favorite time of the day yeah, or favorite time of the podcast. So. It's question time. 
Um, I didn't know this, but someone asked, why don't you wear socks when training or do you? Mm. Do okay, you wear okay. socks? No, I don't. Uh, so I think like in the wintertime, like maybe when my feet, because I actually like to run in really thin shoes, mm-hmm. um, low pri- profile shoes. Uh, I'll put on socks, but the, my true honest reason is because I can never find a fucking pair of matching socks in my house. <laughs> Do you know I hate wearing socks too? Do you? So I, I don't. Like, I'm not I don't even have wearing socks. I don't have socks. Right I don't have socks on right now. In my boots. Yeah, I'm like, the exact. I, don't. I feel like socks, like, get in my way. I feel like I'm wearing yeah. burlap sacks on my mm-hmm. feet, and I mm-hmm. fucking hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and I then hate it just kind of. I, I like the feeling, especially whenever I'm running. Freedom. I, I yeah, I like that the feeling. Toes in the grass. Uh, which is another reason why I like minimal shoes. Is I just like to feel like the earth beneath me. I guess is a way to say it. That's so. hilarious. But I'm I don't glad, know why I'm glad I'm glad I met someone else who hates socks or just doesn't yeah, wear socks. Uh, like actually, I people do. ask me that pretty often. Like, why don't I? And no, I don't get blisters, but I'm very do selective. Do your feet stink? Uh, no, not really. Same I hat. have a pair of shoes that I wore through the ocean and like they stayed out in the rain and those like kind of reek. But um, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I love it. I'm very selective on the type of shoes that I wear because I have worn shoes that have given me blisters. Um, but for the most part, it, it works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, you know? Like, you just let not everybody needs to be a vegan. If yeah. it works for you, it works for you. For some reason, like, happy. socks don't work for me. Yeah. I just, I just don't wear them. I'm right there with you. I don't wear them. Fall is here, and we're thankful for today's sponsor, Manscaped.com, for still keeping us cool, clean, and fresh. Manscaped is the premium men's grooming company for all of your manscaping needs. Manscaped is dedicated to developing the best men's products and accessories to level up your full body grooming game. And I'm really excited to tell you about one of my new favorite products in quarantine, the new Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. Seriously, it's the perfect add-on to your bathroom grooming regimen. The Shears 2.0 is a newly improved luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools that includes slashed tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. That is a crazy good value, guys. If you're still rocking the flip-flops like I am on warm afternoons, I need you to look down and remember that your toenails and your feet do matter. People don't want to see your nasty unclipped claws that you're rocking right now, so let's get those trimmed. No undergroom set of feet and fingers, and most importantly, balls is accepted. For men who want it all, I recommend the Perfect Package 3.0 all-in-one manscaping kit. The Perfect Package 3.0, yes, folks, that's what I said. Kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver and the Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant and Moisturizer. Because we know how painful chafing can be when you're out on a run or getting a workout in. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner spray that's designed to give you a little pep in your step, if you know what I mean. And a crop clean up while you're on the go. 
Subscribe to the perfect package with the Peak Hygiene Plan today and you'll get the new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered right to your door every three months, totally hassle-free. It's the perfect gift idea for a man in quarantine. And for right now, a limited time, you guys, if you subscribe, you get not one, but you get two free gifts of the Shed Travel Bag. This is a $39 value add-on. It is a patented high-performance reduced chafing manscaped boxer brief. Get 20% off plus free international shipping to US of A, Canada, Australia, and the UK with the promo code, all caps, A-S-H-H-20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Get your balls right. Get your tools right. Get manscaped and get the job done. Okay, we got another question. This one gets a little deeper. Um, so this listener is, um, she wants to know about postpartum mm. exercising. She said, um, she wants to know what you did when you were postpartum with your boys. And she wants to know, is there any hope for us moms who still want to beast it out and be the best our body can be, you know, after having a child. Mm -hmm. So I remember whenever I got pregnant with my last son and I've had C-sections with all three of my boys. Um, I remember very, very vividly um, whenever I took off on my first, I wanted to go run a mile after Otto was born. Wait, wait, like right after? No, I had to have been pretty much cleared. It was probably like four to six weeks afterward. Okay. I, I got cleared early from my C-section. I went and saw the doctor because I wanted to go snowboarding. And so the doctor was like, eh. I was like, look, I'll be fine. Anyways, I ended up getting cleared earlier. But I remember when I, I went to go run for my first, uh, my first mile after my C-section. And it was painful. Painful, like mentally. Like it, it definitely crushed my soul and my just the mental part of running because I used to be able to go out and run so easily. And Did you run when you were pregnant? Uh, I really, it was really uncomfortable. I get really big when I'm pregnant. Like my mm -hmm. belly sticks out super far. Um, I would try to run a little bit, but it was just like uncomfortable. Some people can run throughout yeah. the pregnancy. I just carry low and I don't, maybe it's cause I have boys. I'm not sure, but, um, it's the old wives tale. Yeah. And I would just say for, for moms, and this is such a great question. And I, you know, I could honestly spend an entire podcast talking about postpartum and training, but you have to give yourself enough time and you have to realize the changes that your body has gone through. I think, we are creatures of, we want everything to happen so quick. We want to snap back into shape so quick. And you have to understand that it took you, first of all, you made a human in your body, which is absolutely incredible. It took you nine months. It's literally insane if you think it about is. it. It is. If you think about it. You're like you're growing an eyeball yeah. on one right. day. And, and your body only did toe. that in nine months. <laughs> like that's insane. So you have to give yourself enough time to slow down, to be in the moment. And the best advice that I can give you is to just move and to be active. I remember, you know, once I started feeling better, I would stick my um, little boy, Otto, in the Bjorn. And I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to do 100 walking lunges with him in the Bjorn. You're not leaving him. You're a baby. Like, they're right there. They love to be in the Bjorn. You know, and the next day it was 200. And then maybe I did some bodyweight squats. So don't overthink it. Start small and just think about moving and being active. 
Give yourself at least nine months. At least nine months. To bounce back. Can we... I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, but I just... I think this is hilarious. We were just talking about, like, mom and, like, working out. You're wearing a hat right now that says MILF MILF University. So, Lena got me this hat. I did. And I was like, I go, Lena, what's a MIF? MIF? Lena was like... It's a MILF. A MILF. She had to explain it. M-I-L-F. She's like, it's a mother. It's a mother I like to be friends with. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. That's what it is. All the PG listeners out there, yeah. This is my hat, yeah. MILF. MILF University. Repping it well. All right, last question of the day. Do you think that supplements are absolutely necessary when training? And if you, if so, which ones do you recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, I do, but at the same time, if you don't have your recovery right, your nutrition right, the supplements aren't going to, they're going to do jack shit. So you can have a freaking kick-ass workout and you can have the best supplements on the market, but if you leave in the 23, 20, you know, 23 hours of the rest of your day, you're like eating shit and not taking care of yourself. What's the um, fucking point? There's no point. Yeah. So I would say the best, in my opinion, the best supplement that you can give yourself is a recovery supplement. But again, it comes down before you should even have any business taking supplements. You have to get your diet right, period. Or it does no good. You're literally period. just wasting money. I'll take your money. And I'll tell you how to freaking program your own diet. Yeah. That'll do more good than any supplement I'll ever do. Good to know. So do you, do you take a specific supplement or? Um, well, since you asked. Since um, I asked. I have been wanting to create my own supplement line for a really long time. Like since back in 2016, I believe I've been wanting and had the aspirations to create my very own line. So for a while, I was actually working on a powdered supplement, like a protein. That's when I first met you. When I first met you is when you started working on that. I I was doing everything from the samples. I was going through flavors. I was actually just getting ready to sign off on the paperwork, to send it in. And I just, there's things like it just, there was something missing. It didn't feel right. It wasn't, I didn't, I can't tell you exactly what it was that yeah. I didn't pull the trigger on because whenever things are right and I know that they're right, you had I'm a gut very feeling. quick. I'm very quick and I'm very aggressive on pulling the trigger and I like, I make shit happen. Um, so I pushed pause. I, I wanted to like rethink and revisit. And, and the reason why, um, thinking about like my brand and the things that I encompass is it's, it's not just fitness. I very much live in the fitness industry and, you know, I want to give everybody the gift of health and wellness. I think that is the most important gift that you can give anybody. I heard a quote the other day or, okay. well, this is not even a quote. This is what my mom always says. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Yeah. And I, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean, mom? And I was like, <laughs> What? And growing mom up, dropping now, down the I know facts. mom was dropping facts Truth bombs. from a, from early. And I was like, I didn't get that. And I was like, wow, yeah. if I didn't have my health, I literally could not do anything, especially right now in COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I, unfortunately, for all those people who have lost someone out there, I am so sorry. And I feel for you. And it's just, if you don't have your health, you really don't mm-hmm. have anything. Mm-hmm. So take mm-hmm. control of that. Mm-hmm. Start mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Anyway, continue on. Go yeah. ahead. No, I mean, Mom that's so true. So, so I, I had this moment, and everything happens for a reason. I had this moment in 
my house where, you know, and kind of going back to the sock thing where like, I couldn't find him. Everybody's going to think I have the most unorganized house sock, yeah. ever. But, uh, you know, I was trying to find the top to my shaker bottle because I wanted to mix like a recovery drink or a hydration drink or I don't even remember what I was looking for. And I was so frustrated because I couldn't find the top to my freaking shaker, shaker bottle. bottle. <laughs> and my dog ate the other top. Was that it I Raven? Had. It was Raven. Yes. Bless her. Thank you, Raven. And then all of a sudden I was just like, man, if I just had something that was like I could and with my lifestyle because I'm so busy, um, that was already there for me, already made, that I didn't have to have a bottle, I didn't have to have a shaker, I didn't have to get a, a you know, the water, whatever yeah. you want to put in it. So I've actually decided to go with uh RTDs, ready to drink. Uh, drinks and I have been working with um, a company here to help me with the cans and the labeling and the branding. So to, you're gonna have your own line. Now. I am gonna have my own line, but they're gonna be RTDs, ready to drinks, and um, they'll so be direct to consumer. Them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm wanting to do um, a pre. Um, I'm working on like an intra, but I want it to be like a drink that I can also take in the afternoon, even if I'm not working out and I just need to pick me up from like business and the kids. Yeah. Um, and then I think recovery is really important. So it's going to be like a recovery, but I want to branch off into that. I want American brew to have its own coffee, whiskey drink. I want to do like possibly like a, a nitro cold brew in a can. It's honestly endless. And like whenever I was so frustrated because I couldn't find my shaker bottle, I was like, and your that aha was the moment. Answer. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've been working on that for a couple months. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. So for the listeners who have stuck with us yep. through the end of it, this is your sneak peek. This is your preview yes. for I, Ashley's new line. I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to say the name yet. Do you have a name picked out? I do. Out? I have a okay. name. Um, we went through logo logos and like labeling and everything. Um, so now it's just getting the formulations down and testing it. But Are we going to have different flavor options? Yeah, different flavor okay. options. Um, and I'm really wanting to work on like the packaging of it. Like um, whatever, because it's going to be direct to, to consumer, especially at first. And then I'm wanting to have it in, in and, you know, Walgreens, supermarkets, like everywhere across the U.S. Eventually. Ash that's like going step, global. <laughs> that's step B. Uh, but I want the packaging to be awesome. So really working on that, like it just, it's been awesome. Like I love the creative part of all businesses. That's like where I just can just go crazy. Because yeah. really there's no wrong answer when it comes to the creativity of a business and, and you know, the things that you want to kind of make up in your mind. And then it's made, from then it's just like making it happen, making it mm -hmm. become real life. So yeah, I'm not going to say the name or All the right. logo. Well, so just keep listening awesome. out. But it had the, the name. The name has something to do. It, it's not. Oh, are you going to give us a little hint? I will. I will. So I, okay. I created Women of Iron, right? right? It's Women of Iron is going to be a specialty line out of the drink. It's going to be a women's specific drink um, within the RTDs, but it's not going to be the name of my supplement company. But the name of the company. Uh, it has to do with someone or something in my life. And no, it's not blue. <laughs> All right. So send us what you think it's going to be. But I haven't talked about this yet. So if you're listening to the podcast, the this is a reborn exclusive. Reborn exclusive. Yeah. Ashley Horner is coming out yeah. with an RTD. And line. something else. Um, a oh, reborn something exclusive. Else. Yeah. I've started training for um, the tactical games. What's that? So it's basically fitness and uh, is this competition like the X shooting. Game? Oh, shooting. 
Competition okay. shooting and basically like CrossFit. If they had a baby, that's what it is. So is that like the thing in the Olympics? Have you seen like the women not. that ski? They like oh ski God. for like miles and then they randomly whip out a rifle, shoot some things, and then continue skiing. I have never in my life. I swear that. to God, that's You're a thing. You're hallucinating. I'm not. It's in, the, it's in the Olympics. What's guys. it called? I biathlon. Mm-hmm. No. See, Jesse knows. That's so weird. It's a thing. Maybe you, that could, you could snowboard and then just yeah. whip out a rifle. Yeah. Pew, pew. On your way down the mountain. All right. Well, but yeah. And so I've started training for uh, that's exciting. the Titan Games. That actually hasn't been announced yet either. I just needed something. Reborn exclusive. Yeah. I needed something. I'm such a competitive person. And really? I've actually been thinking that's about shocking. doing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about doing the tactical games for a while. And then I was just like. Eh. Pulled the trigger. I don't know. Like I'm kind of into guns, but I, like I'm not good. And, and practice the, and, makes and, perfect. Yeah, but that's the thing. The fact that I'm I'm not great at shooting guns does that piss you off. It does, and so like I now I've all of a sudden become obsessed quickly. with it. Yeah, and of course I have a really good teacher at home. Blue's been teaching me all the ins and outs of um, of um, firearms and maneuvering and and everything. So that's awesome. That, well, I yeah. think everyone will be. I'll I've be on the training. lookout. I've been training every day. Be on day. the lookout, guys. Yeah, so. Hopefully you'll give us more updates, I more will. clues. So that just means you're going to have to listen to the podcast listen more and more. Listen to the more. podcast and we'll talk listen about it. Listen for our hints. Yes. Our and if you're watching on Instagram, on my Instagram, I am. You'll see like all the gun stuff, which I'm sure a lot of people are like, why does she have, why is she slinging an <laughs> AR around? <laughs> and like a weighted vest with like empty mags. There's a purpose, There is people. a purpose. <laughs> There's so, a purpose, so. Um. Well, my name is Ashley Horner. This is Lena Del Rey. Hey, guys. Thank you Thanks for, for joining us. us today on the uh, podcast, Reborn well. Podcast. Make See sure you, you download, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your uh, dogs. Your aunt. I, don't, I, <laughs> I froze there. <laughs> tell tell friends, everyone. Tell everyone. Everyone. Yeah, give us some feedback if you have questions that you want us to answer. You can DM Lena Del Rey. You can DM me at the Reborn Pod, um, and we will get those answered for you Stay on the next grinding. Reborn Podcast. Yeah. Stay grinding, people. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.